This podcast is part of the Christian Geek Central Network at ChristianGeekCentral.com. Episode 233, Reflections on Simon Peter. Welcome to the Strangers and Aliens podcast. Strangers. <laughs> to boldly say what needs to be said. Would you be a stranger or an alien? Or would you be a strange alien? The truth is out there. I am your father's best friend, Plumber. Superman. Wonder Woman. Heroes. Villains. Captain Picard versus Captain Kirk. Do you think that there's room in sci-fi for God? The very first thing that God did was that he created something. So we have a creative God. This is Strangers and Aliens Podcast. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Strangers and Aliens. I'm Ben. Ben Avery, I'm here alone right now in Command Central or whatever we call this place where we are uh, just using our equipment to talk into microphones and stuff. And um, and I, this is a little bit of a weird episode. I don't even know what I would call this episode. I thought about making it part of the Geek Bible series that I had planned to do. Then I realized I only did one actual episode of the Geek Bible series that I had planned to do. So uh, that never went anywhere. And actually, that kind of became Weak Connections on YouTube. And this is not uh, YouTube. Uh, also, it's not really a Weak Connection. Um, I guess there might be something of a Weak Connection, as I was thinking about what I wanted to talk about here. But um, the bottom line is we needed an episode for this week. And because of some serious technical difficulties that we had in our recording session last week for the episode that would be posted right now. Um, we had serious de- difficulties with that, and uh, it was a big, massive feedback episode, and we had about half of it done, and we're going to finish it uh, this week and and put it all together. But it's not done. It's not ready. And the easiest thing to do was just to record something else for this episode. And uh, I didn't know what. Uh, I didn't have any ideas and I thought I'm just going to record something I'll do something quick and I was looking around uh, my office and you know I trying to decide well I could do something about Atari because I've been really really excited about Atari 2600 lately I don't know why but that part of my childhood has been coming in full force for me and part of it I think honestly is because of uh, a podcast I've been listening to and I also have one of those flashback things that anyway uh, I also recently watched the uh, the killer rat movie duology uh willard and ben uh willard is the first uh, movie ben is the sequel and i thought i could do something about that because they're they're cheesy and they're they're awful they're not great there's moments but uh there is some thematic meat to chew on but i want to rewatch them before i get into that and i also wanted to try watching crispin glover's remake of willard uh yeah that crispin glover um I haven't seen it, but uh, I've been curious about it. And so, you know, there's lots of other things I've been reading and and uh, watching and, and playing that I, I could talk about. But, uh, you know, when I got thinking about this episode, I got to thinking about how, you know, 
it's just one person when it was one person doing an episode when it's just me uh really is almost like i'm I'm talking with a friend you know uh just having a private conversation just one-on-one and uh, podcasts are usually consumed by uh, one person individually. They're, they're listening privately with earbuds or in, the, in a car. Every once in a while you might listen to it with someone. But uh, generally speaking, it's a, it's a fairly intimate kind of thing. And I, and I got to thinking then, okay, so what would I like to talk about? What would I like to share with someone if I was just sitting down talking with a friend? You know, we spend a lot of time, a lot of time, talking about movies, talking about video games, talking about comic books and all that stuff. And that's a lot of fun. And that is something I would talk about with someone. But what would I like to share, like, just as a, an encouragement? Because we haven't done a lot of that uh, with Strangers and Aliens. I mean, we've done some of it. But, but for the most part, it's these big topics. It's these big, you know, looking at genres and looking at the mediums and, and looking at all these different things. And uh, so what would I just want to talk about if I were just sitting down talking with a friend, you know, one-on-one. In fact, some of the things I was thinking about, I've actually have talked about with, with some friends. Evan, I, I've actually talked about with Evan and, and I've talked about with some other friends at work at, at church. And, um, so I want to talk with you about some things that I've been thinking about as I've been writing and reading and spending time with God, <laughs> you know, my, my devotional time. And, and, I'm in a bit of a weird place when it comes to my time alone with God. Uh, as a as a pastor, literally, uh, part of my job is to spend time with God and spend time in the Word and spend time in prayer. And as a writer, many, most of my projects are based on stories from the Bible. And again, that, that has me researching Scripture and reading Scripture and digging in and exploring all the drama, but, you know, but not just the dramatic stuff, also the thematic stuff. And uh, recently, I've really realized that I need to work really hard on the discipline of spending intentional time with God, and, and that discipline isn't just you know the time, but it's it's what I'm doing with the time, prayer and and reading the, the Bible, and uh, you know, but just that intentional time with God that's beyond the professional time with Him. Now, now don't get me wrong; I, I love having God as my boss, you know, of my actual job. <laughs> uh, it's it is a weird thing to be a professional, to, you know, just not to put a too fine of a point on it, but this is uh, my friend, uh, Derry. He, he uh, uses this phrase. He, he's a professional Christian, you know, uh, we are professional Christians as, as pastors. And, and that's, you know, that, that's a weird place to be. And it's not just weird. I mean, I just recently heard about someone, uh, a really big name in the uh, children's ministry uh, circles and, he was arrested for improper conduct with, with two teenage boys. And it's just like, ah, you know, you're out there, you know, and you're, you're doing all this stuff, but there's, there's a difference between doing and being. And so I've had to work really hard and I'm kind of getting off on a rabbit trail here, but um, you know, I I recently just readjusted everything and made a point to, you know, the first thing I do when I step foot in my office is, um, you know, I might turn on my computer and I, I might water my plant, um, which I'm doing a great job. I've got some plants in my office that are wonderful, but, uh, the first thing I do is to, to sit down and, and I'm going through a once a day Bible and that's been great. I've read the whole Bible over time, but I've never taken the time to do like one of those yearly plans. And, 
Uh, my dad gave me a box of Bibles to give away, and I was digging through there, and I thought, oh, I'm take this one and use this one. Um, my dad works for Zondervan, and so he has materials sometimes that he can he can pass on to me to, to give away to people who maybe don't have Bibles or to kids who don't have Bibles. It's kind of fun, kind of cool. But I found this one today Bible, and again, I'm on a rabbit trail here. But uh, yeah, so I'm, I'm, I'm doing that, and I'm trying to be very, very intentional because – you, you can get into a rut where you're, you're saying, well, the things I'm getting, the things that as I'm creating lessons and as I'm creating messages and, and doing this and doing that, it's good enough, you know, and, and it's not really, you know, because there's, there's, there needs to be a, a deeper level. And I'm, it's something that, you know, I'm, I'm working on. I, I'm not going to be perfect, but I am absolutely going to work on being better, you know, and, and that's really what... <laughs> Again, another rabbit trail. This wasn't where, it wasn't where I was planning on going, but that's where uh, you know Christians need to be. Is you know we we recognize we cannot be perfect, but we can always work toward being more like Christ. We're never going to be exactly like Christ, but we can work at being more like Christ. And He's right there by our side, helping us to do this. Anyway, my my professional time does affect me. It's not, it's not to say it doesn't. It really does. And and actually, some of what I'm going to say as I'm going into this. Uh, really does come from the research that I was doing. Uh, my most recent project has been uh, the project I just finished, actually, is a book about Peter. It's a graphic novel, and I'm not going to get into too much detail because, honestly, I, I'm not sure how much detail I can actually go into. But it's related to a recent graphic novel that came out that I wrote about Paul. It's actually a prequel to this Paul book. And this one was interesting for me when I was sitting down and writing it. The outline was not hard. You know, the it's written for me. It's you know, I had to you know maybe look at some of the stuff in the Gospels to figure out chronologically where things fit. Once you get into Acts, this all goes you know right in order, which is great. But the outline is done for me. It's all here. You know, it's it's all there, and I just have to put it on note cards and put it in order. Um, but the actual scripting of the scenes and you know finding the, the thematic through lines and stuff like that, it was hard this time because I've written a bunch of projects that were either specifically about Peter or feature Peter in a major role. I mean, I did the four Gospels in chronological order. Peter, he's a giant in there, and that's not just because they call him the big fisherman. You know, he he's all over the place in the Gospels as one of the most important um, figures. I'm not, I'm not saying I'm not saying important, you know, as in he's going to be the guy on the right hand of, of Christ, but uh, but important in that he is there and does a lot of important things and says a lot of important things. He says a lot of things that we need to be said in the Gospels so that Jesus can correct him so we can see this thing happen and see it be corrected and and get some answers that we might not get if we were just like reading teachings from Jesus. We get to read corrections from Jesus and most of it is aimed at Peter. And one thing you might notice when you're reading the Gospels is that when Peter is on the right track, Jesus calls him Peter. When Peter is on the wrong track, you know, when he's saying, no, Jesus, that won't happen. Jesus is saying, Simon. <laughs> and he goes back to that first name that he gave, to, or that Peter had, before he gave him the, the, the name Peter. <laughs> so anyway, um, you know, I, I've done these projects where, you know, it's either, I actually did a comic that was specifically just about Peter, and it's all these things. And so here I am again, and I'm looking at Peter's life, and I'm, I'm writing about him, and, you know, I... It'd be really easy to just go through the motions with it, but I didn't want to do that. I wanted to find something new. I wanted to get a new hook. I wanted to hook myself into it so I could just make it be the best that I can make it be. 
And I, I don't know if my publisher liked it or not. I still haven't heard back from them about it. Uh, so it's quite possible that they didn't like it, but I sure did. Because I, I found it. I found a new hook for myself. Now, for anyone who's reading that book, you know, I, I'm not expecting people to notice this new hook. In fact, this, some of the stuff I'm going to say probably right now might even, if you read the book, you'd say, really? <laughs> you know, but it was there for me. And, uh, I really, I, I really wanted something new. I and I prayed about it, and I looked into it, and I was working hard at it, and and finally I, I found my hook. You know, and, uh, actually not just hook. I found a couple hooks. You know, there's one um, big, big new idea that I, I latched onto with this that I hadn't ever before, and that was pigs. You know, and just uh, the presence of pigs in that area and in the gospels and uh from um there's there's jesus's prodigal son parable where the prodigal son goes and he's feeding pigs and he's working in this place where it's the worst of the worst but it's not just because of the pigs it's because of the position uh you know people who are raising pigs in that area they would have been raising them for romans they weren't raising them for the other Jewish people. They were raising it for the invaders. They were raising it for the people who were in charge because they were a political powerhouse and a military powerhouse. And they were doing that. They were almost – they were traitors. They were traitors to their own people. They were traitors to their own religion because they were helping the Romans and, and working for the Romans. They – they had turned against the government, their own government, and they had turned against their own God, and they turned against their own law by doing this. And it represented something really, really bad. And so when Jesus puts the prodigal son in, you know, this place where he's looking at the pigs, it's, it's bad. It's really bad. Uh, and then you have the demons getting cast into uh, the pigs, uh, which they were being raised in that area, and you know, for the Romans and everything. And then you have. Uh, Peter's vision, though, afterward, where he he sees these animals, these food things that they aren't supposed to eat, and God says, "Don't call unclean what I have made clean." And he has to repeat it to Peter because Peter doesn't quite get it at first. And this wasn't just an acceptance of bacon, <laughs> which was a good thing. Don't get me wrong; it was an acceptance of the Gentiles. And right after he was told, "Don't call unclean what I have made clean." And he's talking about these animals specifically, but then it turns out Peter was called right after that into Cornelius' home, and Cornelius was a Roman, and Cornelius was a Gentile, and this was a symbol. Now, the the unclean, clean thing that was going on, it, this was a symbol for Peter that God's kingdom and God's gospel was, was for everyone. Now, this isn't a new insight, this whole pig thing. Uh, but it kind of was for me, you know, to, to see this, this element. I, I had noticed this stuff before, but putting it all together in this one narrative in my mind, I'm like, oh, this is really, really interesting. And I was, I was glad I, I found that. Uh, but there's another new insight, and this is one that I really want to zero in on here for this episode of, of Strangers and Aliens. And that was the impact and the import of some of Jesus's uh, teachings and, and miracles, and, and specifically one it's a very subtle miracle, but it's a very important one. And I hadn't really thought about, maybe I had, and I just don't remember, but I hadn't really thought about the subtlety of this miracle that Jesus did for Peter. And here's, 
it's unfortunate reality. But uh, as a consumer of geek media, we get desensitized sometimes. We get desensitized to the stories that we're getting, and we need more than for a bigger thrill. And so we see something, and it's a great thrill, and it's wonderful, but the sequel has to be bigger and better because we've already been in that world before, and so we need something new and flashier and more expensive. And sometimes that's not a bad thing at all. Sometimes that's a really good thing. Uh, you know, you go from Star Wars, which was a great experience. Don't, you know, it's, it's a, it was a unique, completely new, completely fresh experience. But you go from that first movie into Empire Strikes Back, and in some ways, bigger was better. You know, you got to see better special effects. You had the, you know, not just, you know, they're flying over a stationary um, battle station, uh, for lack of a better term. They're flying through asteroid belts, you know, and stuff like that. Bigger was better. And sometimes it's different, but it's still bigger and better. Or, or maybe not better, but, you know, if you think about Alien, okay, that's the first movie. And then you have Aliens, because there's lots of them. You know, now they're two very different movies and I'm not going to get into the whole which one is better. You know, in my mind, I have an answer. But, you know, like with the Alien Covenant review episode that we just did, um, some people think Aliens is the better movie. and They're not wrong because for them it was it was more fun, but it was definitely bigger. Uh, sometimes you get a situation where it's it's bad and sometimes it's really really bad and one example I mean, maybe this isn't the best example of something you know being bigger and, and worser but you, know, you have Godzilla that first Godzilla movie which is really subtle and as much as it is about a giant you know lizard that's a man dressed up in a suit smashing all these models it's it's pretty subtle too as far as the meaning and you know, how often you actually see the monster and what the monster is actually doing and how they destroy it. But if you look at that and then fast forward to Godzilla Final Wars, Final Wars is Godzilla fighting every single monster he ever fought. Uh, why? To make it bigger. <laughs> you know, they're going to go out with the biggest bang they can possibly go out on. And then you, then you have like the, the Fast and the Furious franchise, which I've talked about a little bit before. But the only reason I really like that franchise is because it's so funky, the way that they wrap itself and it kind of grew uh, and it wasn't intended to be the way it was. But it, that's just the way it ended. And But each time there's bigger stunts and it's more explosive. And the reason is we've seen it all before. We've been there. We've done that. We... <laughs> We've used the T-shirt cliche about it. That's how often we've been there and done that. Uh, and I think this happens for us spiritually, too. The idea of just been there, done that, and the desire for you know something bigger because this stuff is just so mundane. And we sometimes just say, well, you know, it, it, it's not engaging me and it's not interesting anymore. And so I'm just going to not bother with it. And then when you come back to it, it's, oh, maybe there's something new here. And we're always looking for something new and something that's less mundane. And honestly, this is coming from a place for me where I've, I've been there and done that, where I, it just, things feel dry. And, and, uh, you know, this is why for me, part of, you know, the whole spending time with God thing, it, it's, takes discipline for me because it's not always instant results. Sometimes it is. Sometimes it is. You sit down, you open the Bible and there's something that speaks to you right there. First time. You're not even looking for it necessarily. Um, but sometimes we have to, when we're reading, just say, speak to me, you know, show me something new because 
for some of us, we've been in this stuff since we were kids, you know, and, and it's, it's not new anymore. It's not new. Or, you know, just beyond it not being new, there's just no answer from God right now. You know, we cry out because we're in the middle of a situation and the answer doesn't come right away. And so it's, well, is even going to answer me, you know? And, and it, anyway, it, it's, it's a sad situation where we look at these stories in the scripture and these stories in the scripture have become mundane for us. Um, I think I talked about this in the resurrection episode, but I realized this year it really just hit me as I was preparing for the Easter message uh, for, for my kids at church. They've heard this story every year of their life. I've heard this story every year of my life. And, and that's just, you know, if, I, if you're just looking at Easter's, uh, since I started understanding language, I've heard this story since I was three and four years old. And I'm sure I heard it when I was two and one, too, you know. But uh, how do you take that and make it something new and something fresh? And, and honestly, my answer, quick answer, is I kind of take a little bit, another rabbit trail here, but the answer is you don't. You don't try and make it something new. You don't reinvent it. You try and invite your audience to re-experience it and to see what's there and what's always been there. Anyway, the resurrection of Christ has become a mundane story. And it's not just that one, but there's so much in the scripture that we just lose the awe and the wonder of what these things that happened would have really been like. And what these things that Jesus said, how they really changed things. You know, we've had this discussion about Star Wars uh, you know, Evan and I have had this discussion where Star Wars isn't special anymore. And so when John Carter comes along, actually, that was a conversation I had with Steve. John Carter comes along, which inspired Star Wars. But everyone looks at John Carter's like, ah, oh, we've already seen this kind of thing. Been there, done that. And these things have become just, it's just there, you know, and, and, one thing I, I do want to just encourage people is to look for not new stuff, but look for new insight and, and new application, you know, as you're reading and saying, what does it say about me? And, and what does it say about my neighbor? And what does it say about God? And what does it say about the relationship of all three of us, me, my neighbor, and God? So, I, yeah, I, I've, I've talked about this a little bit before anyway, but... There's one more thing that I, I want to take a look at here. There's a specific thing I want to take a look at here. You know, as we live in this world of wanting better, faster, and stronger, something really struck me when I was writing this story about Peter this time along. And this was a miracle that no one talks about. At least I've never heard anyone talk about. I've never seen it on any lists. I think it's a miracle that gets just completely forgotten because it is so mundane. And I keep using that word, but... Um, it fits. So I'm not going to look up in the source to find another word that might fit. So anyway, this, this miracle, it happens and it gets talked about, but it doesn't get talked about as a miracle. It just gets lumped in with the, the bigger, more flashy and more amazing miracle. Um, so as I'm reading and I come across this and I just see this thing and it's just so mundane, but then it just became something very, very profound to me. And this is what I want to share with you as, as we get into this. Uh, I've written this scene a number of times and you've heard this story many, many times, but let me set the scene for you here. There's this handful of fishermen and they all, um, you know, they work together, they work around each other and, and they're friends and they're partners. And they all also are 
devout Jewish men. And they're following God and they're learning about him and learning how to be good followers of God. And they've taken an interest, a really strong interest, in the teachings of John the Baptist. And, you know, you can understand why. You know, they're waiting for the Messiah. They've been waiting for the Messiah for, you know, they, they were promised the Messiah centuries ago. And in that time, kingdoms have risen and kingdoms have fallen. And kingdoms have stolen control, political control, political power from the people of Israel, the, the people of Judah. The, the, the Jewish people do not run their own lives politically. And so now you're in a state where Rome is in charge and they're the strongest of the strong and they're powerful. And so as they're waiting for the Messiah, they're hearing John the Baptist say some things about the Messiah. What he's saying is of really great interest to them because he's saying, prepare for the Messiah. He is preparing the way of the Lord. And whenever I say that, I always think of, you know, the, the God spell song where you have the, the, the John the Baptist character who is prepare ye the way of the Lord. And he, that's what he's doing. He's preparing everyone. The Messiah is coming. You think I'm a good speaker? There's a dude coming who I'm not even fit to tie his shoes. So they're paying attention to John the Baptist. And, and John the Baptist IDs Jesus and says, that's him. That's the guy. That's the one. And Andrew, uh, Simon's brother, Simon, who is Peter, uh, his brother checks it out and says, wow, this is the real deal. He goes and gets his brother Simon, who is not Peter yet, but he brings Simon to Jesus. And Jesus in that first meeting predicts then that Simon would be called Cephas or would be called Peter. And spoiler alert, he did end up being called Peter. And everyone was impressed. They were all very, very impressed that this guy could possibly be the Messiah that they've been waiting for. And he, he's there in their lifetime. Now, they have no idea what they're in for. They have no idea what this means. They have no idea what the implications are. And they go back to work. Now, a couple of them follow Jesus, but Simon, James, John, they all continue their work running their fishing business. And they're skilled fishermen. They're really good at what they do. They make a living at it. Now, I'm not saying they're the best, but they know what they're doing. They know how to do it, and they do it very well. So a while later, they're out, and they don't catch anything all night. And they're frustrated. I'm sure they're frustrated. The Bible doesn't say specifically, and they were frustrated. But you, know, you can imagine, they were frustrated, right? And they're, they're sitting, and they're cleaning their nets. They've been using their nets all night, but they didn't, the nets didn't do them any good. But they're cleaning their nets to you know, use again the, the next night. And there's some crowds gathering kind of on the, uh, the shore. And it's because Jesus is there. And he has crowds following him now. You know, people hear that he's in a place and they come to that place. And they want to hear him teach. Now, the whole miracle thing for him hasn't been really a, a big deal yet. He's done a couple. But, you know, things, the, the, the big deal miracles, they're still to come. You know, he's done some and people are impressed and they think it's a pretty cool thing that he's doing. But the big stuff hasn't happened yet. But they're still following him because the teaching stuff 
the wisdom that he's showing as he is teaching and the insight that he's showing as he is teaching, it's impressive. And they're, they're following him. So he just happens, you can't see the air quotes, but they're there, to be in the place where Simon Peter and his buddies are cleaning their nets after that really bad catch of fish, which was none. And he asks them for a favor. Can he use one of their boats as a platform to teach from? Now, I don't know if it was acoustics, which is quite possible because I have heard people say that they've been into this place or a place like this where you, you go out in the water a little bit and, and the, there is good acoustics there. I don't know. I haven't experienced it myself, but it could be he just needed to get away from the pressing in of the crowds or whatever. But whatever it was, Simon agreed. And, and why not? You know, the boat's empty anyway. It's not they're gonna, like they're going to be unloading fish that morning. Uh, Jesus needs a boat. They've got a boat. They don't need the boat. It's a, it, you know, everybody wins. So Jesus teaches and Simon would have gotten to hear it, which also wouldn't have been a bad thing. And, you know, Simon kind of gets a bad rap. He's my favorite disciple. Simon Peter is because he's the guy who just thinks without or acts without thinking, I should say, and says things without thinking sometimes that really kind of get him in a little bit of trouble. And it's just awesome to see him be used for God's kingdom the way he is. And it's, it's encouraging. For, for us all, I think it should be, but he's not an idiot. Okay. You know, he's a fisherman. And so he has all the attending hygiene issues that would go along with that. Um, specifically the smell, you know, but, um, he also had a great understanding of scripture and he was thoughtful and he was smart and he was quick. You know, he's quick to act without thinking, but he's also a quick thinker, I think. And, but mostly when he's not caught up in an emotional moment. He, like I said, he can talk without thinking too. Anyway, after Jesus was done teaching and, and Peter would have gotten to hear all of that, and he, he turns to Simon, and I almost get the impression, <laughs> it almost could come across as, I'm going to return the favor. You know, you help me, let me help you. And he tells Simon Peter, go out into the deep water. And put out your nets. Simon answers, Lord, uh, we've been out all night. Didn't catch anything. It's daytime now. We're not going to catch anything. Uh, we know our job. We know how to do what we're doing. And we're good at it. And you're telling us to do something that if you were a fisherman, you would know would never work. And I almost get the feeling like, you know, scripture doesn't say this, but I almost get the feeling that Jesus just kind of shifts his gaze and kind of squints a little bit and just, Peter. You know, it's just, okay, do it. And that's where Peter, Simon says, oh, okay, because it's you and you're saying for us to do this. And okay, we'll do it. And it's almost like a teenager attitude kind of thing there. But they do. They did. They did it. And this is where we're told in Luke, you know, that they caught such a large number of fish that the nets began to break. And they signal for their partners to come. This is James and John. And they would come. And the nets are breaking. The boats are beginning to sink because they're pulling these nets in. There's so much fish in these nets. And right after this happens, and this is where this is where you see both his understanding of, of truths, but also his acting without thinking. You know, he, he, 
in, the, in this case, it's not a bad thing even that he's acting without thinking because he, he drops to his knees and he says, get away from me. Lord, I'm a sinful man. Get away from me. I mean, you can see this understanding of who he is and this understanding of who Jesus is. You can see both his intellect and his impetuousness. They're on display here. And everyone is amazed. But he's the one who says, I'm a sinful man. He's the one who recognizes who he, who he is in comparison to who Jesus is. And then we get that classic line from Jesus, this perfect line from Jesus. He's just perfect. He says, you know, he's done this whole display and then he says, okay, now come follow me and I will make you fishers of men. Yeah, just perfect execution, perfect words, perfect timing, the perfect moment. And they do, they, they do. And one of the things that's also kind of cool here is that them leaving their nets behind, leaving their business behind. There's going to be some lost income for their families. But this amazing catch would allow them some extra income here at the beginning as their families are trying to figure out what do we do and, you know, can we hire some other people to come in? And then you also have Peter's wife and his mother-in-law who he has to take care of and he had to make arrangements for them. Um, But they're able to leave. And they do. Peter, Andrew, James, John out of this situation, become dedicated followers. And right after this, more stuff happens uh, on the Sabbath that followed this. There's really cool stuff that happens. Jesus casts out a demon, and then you can see the light bulb go off over Peter's head. As He's like, wait a minute, the demon thing and then the fish thing. My mother-in-law is really, really sick. And he heals Peter's mother-in-law. And then people start hearing what's going on, and Right at sundown, as soon as people are allowed to start traveling again with the Sabbath, they're coming and and he's healing and there's this huge crowd and he's healing and healing and healing. And it's it's a great thing. Okay, but let's talk about this other miracle, the, the mundane miracle that Jesus did. And it's not the great catch of fish. I mean, yeah, that's a great miracle. He provided a great catch of fish. It was an amazing display of his power. It was an amazing display of his provision. But it came on the heels of another miracle that I that no one talks about. No one, maybe I don't think people want to talk about. But I, I believe that he, just from what I know of of Peter and and what I know of their situation, their job, he held back the fish from the night before. You know, they caught nothing. You know, it wasn't that Jesus just happened to catch them on a bad day when they had a bad catch. It wasn't a bad catch. They caught nothing. They were coming in with empty boats. That's a miracle. I'm convinced that this is a miracle where he held back the fish from their nets. These skilled fishermen's nets. They were out all night. They should have caught some small amount of fish. But this small miracle, holding the fish back from the nets, opened them up for a situation they could not have imagined. You know, and in fact, this, this miracle was so great and so big and so powerful that it caused them to follow him and just leave the miracle behind. <laughs> like the, that amazing catch of fish. Maybe they got to eat a couple of them, you know, later the next day or something, but... He held back the fish. And I hope this encourages you. I hope this encourages you as, you know, as maybe as you walk through dark times or as you walk through dry times or, or as you walk through empty 
times or as you walk through painful times. I'm not saying that God is making you go through all these things so he can surprise you with an amazing windfall of metaphorical fish or whatever that might mean for you, whether it's money or business success or good grades or um, whatever, whatever your metaphorical fish might be. And I also hope that this doesn't come across as just uh, an empty, whatever doesn't kill you makes you stronger kind of thing. And, you know, side note, whatever doesn't kill you, you know, depending on the thing, it makes you weaker. You know, just you get a cut that doesn't kill you. It makes you a little bit weaker because your body's working at fixing it. You know, but um, what I am saying is that there are times when God protects us from getting what we want. Because he knows better. Because he wants us to turn our attention maybe to something else. He wants us to turn our attention most likely to him. I am saying that when you're going through these crappy times, he knows. He knows what you need, not just before you get it, but he knows what you need before you know you need it. Uh, you know, this is a, uh, I'm going to go ahead and share it. I mean, why not? This is kind of a goofy story, but um, I was getting ready for work the other day and I got my laptop bag. And I was putting my laptop in there, and I noticed there in the bottom of my laptop bag were, um, uh, was a set of plastic silverware, or plasticware, whatever you want to call it. And I had gotten them. Last time I went to um, a place, I was doing some writing, and I ate dinner there, and I grabbed two sets of plasticware, one set for that actual lunch, and then the other set so I could take it and have it in my office because I needed uh, a fork and spoon and knife in my, in my office. And I put them in my, the bottom of my, bag, of my bag, and I just forgot they were there. Just completely forgot. Well, I was reminded then when I put my laptop in that day. And my, uh, I had a family member. My nephew was in the hospital um, for an emergency that happened. And he's doing well now. He's, he's out of the hospital. and He's doing much, much better. But it was, a, it was a bad situation. And so I was texting my sister to see, you know, is there anything you want, anything you need? What? I, I, didn't, I told her, what, what can I bring you? And she texts back and says, I don't know. I could hear her voice. Like, I could hear the words that she sent. I just could hear her say, I don't know. Maybe some Diet Pepsi. You know? and, and you happen to have a plastic knife because um, he, he wants to be able to cut some peppers that were brought for him. And I'm like, well, I texted back and said, actually... I do have a plastic knife. I will bring it with me when I come and visit uh, after work today. And it was just, to me, just this kind of goofy reminder of how God knows what we need before we even know what we need. I mean, there's more serious things that have happened with uh, some money issues that have come up in the past and, and, um, and not too, not too uh, distant past, honestly. But um, where I've been reminded, you know, that God knows what we need. And he is, he's the good father. He gives us bread when we need bread. He doesn't give us rocks, you know. And if we need to eat a fish, you know, and we ask for fish to eat, he's not giving us scorpions. I think that that can, you know, that, that parabolic metaphor that Jesus gave us uh, can be twisted a little bit that, when we ask for a scorpion, he's not going to give it to us. You know, 
uh, we don't know maybe that what we're asking for is actually a rock or a scorpion. All I'm saying, you know, with, with all of this, the idea of holding back the fish, the idea of holding back things from us or, um, or walking through things with us, you know, I'm just saying he loves you. He's with you. And it's quite possible. He's miraculously protecting you from what you want or whether maybe he's walking with you through something you could never want. He wants you to be drawn closer to him. And so I just felt like, you know, it's something I wanted to to share with you, my friends. Um, (laughs) Even if you're a friend that I've never met before. And I, I hope there's some encouragement there and, I know it's a little long-winded, and maybe she just label this as you know a, a sermon or a lecture or or whatever. Um, but uh, yeah, I I'm going to sign off here, and I'm going to say thank you for listening. And and yeah, I do hope that there was some encouragement here as as we talk about you know things that are fun to talk about. <laughs> and sometimes those things are movies, sometimes those things are comic books, sometimes those things are swamp monsters, and sometimes those things can be like today. Uh, Peter and Jesus and fish. Thanks for listening and Godspeed. You've been listening to the Strangers and Aliens podcast, hosted by Ben Avery, Steve MacDonald, and Dr. Jace O'Neill. Our music was composed and mixed by Tim Leffel. Please join in the conversation by visiting our website, strangersandaliens.com where you will find show notes, articles, reviews, and more. You can also email us directly at podcast at strangersandalien.com or like us on Facebook at facebook.com slash strangers. Or you can leave us a voicemail on the Strangers and Aliens hotline. Just call 1-804-37-ALIEN and leave your message. And once again, thanks for listening. Because there's lots of them.